to you learn something new every day. I am Joan Boyko, coordinator of communications and community outreach for the Palm Springs Unified School District. We are proud to present a new podcast each week that focuses on the people programs, projects, and activities here in the district. This show is produced by my dedicated student interns here in the Digital Arts Technology Academy, also known as DATA, at Cathedral City High School under the direction of Mr. Vice Johnson. Our interns, even though it is July 3rd and they are officially off duty, we record a little bit in advance. So they're still working hard as they prepare to leave us for college. Brianna Meza and Emily Martin, thank you ladies for a very amazing year plus of work. We really appreciate you and wish you the best in college. And today I am very pleased to welcome the principal of Desert Springs Middle School, Ms. Sue Drummond. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So for those who don't know you, how long have you been with Palm Springs Unified and in what capacities? So this is my 16th year in Palm Springs. I started in the district at James Workman Middle School, teaching middle school math, mostly seventh grade, a little bit of eighth grade. I then left James Workman after seven years and went to work for Ed Services as a secondary math TOSA. So working with students and staff as we transitioned from the previous standards to the common core standards and kind of shifting how we were teaching. So I was supporting teachers and facilitating professional developments and all that. And I did that for four years. I knew- I, wanted... I just interrupt you for a second for those who, we have to be careful here. Those of us who have been in education for so long um, of using acronyms without explaining them. TOSA is teacher on special assignment. Okay, go ahead. Thank you, sorry about that. Um, so yeah, I did that for four years. And then I knew I wanted to get into an administrator role. And so I thought it would be beneficial for me to get back to a site first. I wanted to, I didn't want to become an administrator without having some fresh like classroom experience. So a uh, position open at Rancho Mirage High School with the math department. And from my TOSA, teacher on special assignment days, uh, I knew that that was a math team that I could work with. So I called my supervisor right before school started and said, there's a position at Rancho and I want to take it. So we had that conversation. I had to apply. Um, and then I went to work at the high school for a couple of years. And then, and then I applied for, so I was there for a few years. I taught integrated math one, integrated math two, and AVID. Uh, to a group of high schoolers and then the position for the assistant principal opened up here at Desert Springs. That was about three years ago. So I applied for that position and got that position and was really excited about the new endeavor, but it was a very emotional time leaving some of those kids behind, especially having the avid, my avid babies, as I call them, that I had multiple years in a row. Um, so I left and came here as the assistant principal, and then just recently this year became the principal. So 16 years. Well, yeah, it's it's been it's been a long time, and yet 
I really didn't meet you until like this year sometime and thought that you were consultant with the district because I had seen you at various meetings on Zoom, of course, because it was during the pandemic. And I know that you and um, we can talk a little bit about that later, did a lot of work with the conscious education training. I think you were a trainer of trainers, right? You got trained in, and um, um, we'll go back to that because um, you're here today because of your new position. But I'm very, I think our listeners would be very interested in that work too. It's so important. Um, but it's it's interesting that, uh, you know, I've heard your name around. I didn't really realize you worked for us and that's terrible because I've been here for 22 years. I'm supposed to know all of these things. Well, so, I, will, I will add my, my first, several years in the district, I did have a different last name. Oh, so now, okay. <laughs> you can tell me about that off air. I now, okay. So I, good. I get a pass because that, yes. that makes a difference too. Okay. All right. I don't feel so bad now <laughs> uh, because I certainly don't know everybody, but I try to know at least who's where and, and the names, you know, so. Okay, anyway, so you actually, so you've officially been the principal only a couple of months. However, you were the interim principal for quite a few months, like the better part of the school year, right? Like since uh, Since Thanksgiving break? Yeah. Since Thanksgiving. Because um, the principal, uh, uh, Mr. Tinoco, became the principal at uh, Desert Hot Springs High School. And so you took over as the interim for a few months before you got the position permanently. So what was that like? Like, is it, does it feel weird? Like you feel like, you know, am I going to be here for good? Can I really dig in and, and, you know, make my mark or do I have to tread lightly because I might not be the one to carry through? Like what, what, was, what did that feel like? So yeah, all the above. Um, Mr. Tinoco and I have worked together previously to Desert Springs. Uh, We worked together at Workman when I was a teacher and he was an assistant principal. Oh, great. We do have a little history working together. Our styles are very similar, uh, very, you know, student-centered, relationship-centered, building those relationships. And so I think when I came in as interim, I was able to sustain what he had in place um, with as little... for the (laughs) students as possible just because our personalities are very similar and our styles are very similar how we talk to kids is very similar so um although he speaks spanish and i can't so um so that during that interim part i think initially that was good a lot of the organization as far as like our meetings and staff meetings and pds etc stuff that him and i had planned together so it was a you know minimal transition as far as that goes but yes there was a period after about a month or so where it was time to like make, make some decisions, make some, um, you know, make, make, start making plans actually for the next school year. And, um, you know, budget talks were coming, staffing talks were coming, uh, SIPSA talks were coming. And it was one of those situations where you have to prepare for the seat you're sitting in. And at the time I was sitting in as interim, so I was playing, I was in the role as the principal. So I had to start making plans as if I was, but then I was also like, I might be potentially making plans for somebody else. So try not to spend all the money. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Good point. So, Um, well, yeah, there was, it did get to the point where it was like, all right, let's, let's see what we can do to move forward. 
That's great. And obviously you did a great job as the interim because you did get hired as the principal. When was that? Like March? Uh, yeah. First, first board meeting in March, I believe. Yeah. So a couple months ago and, but again, you, you've been there for a while. And so it was a good, good transition. And I'm sure by now you, you feel comfortable in, you know, embraced by the staff in the, in the role as permanently and the students all know you anyhow. So it's all good, right? Yep. So what are your goals for um, Desert Springs and the students um, for, you know, this school year is over and done, but for the 22-23 school year and beyond? So the goals for the students and the staff is to continue the work we've done since we came back from, you know, Zoom, Zoom land, um, really moving everyone forward with a positive climate and culture. Uh, we want to continue to embrace community and parent involvement and support in everything we do. Uh, you know, there's there's the obvious stuff like increased student achievement and making sure everybody has everything they need to learn and be successful. I always felt as a teacher that I judged my success, not by how my kids were doing when they were in front of me, but when they left me and went on to the next grade level, were they successful? Were they able to retain, you know, what I had taught them? And so I think now looking at it from a site level, that that's still something I think about. Not only what are we teaching our kids for right now, but what are they going to have when they leave us? What are our eighth graders going to bring with us to the high school? And so like setting, setting our students up for success for not only this year, but for their futures. And then as far as staff, like really working with the staff, we need, you know, doing some team building. We're still kind of coming back from everybody being in their own corners and uh, liking and wanting to do some some vision work with some staff members that want to over the summer really work on a collective vision on what we we want to see as as the vision here at Desert Springs, and then come up with a plan to bring in the rest of the staff next year in in kind of creating a vision and a mission that is staff created, not just one person saying this is what our vision is. What do you feel are the biggest challenges facing your students and staff right now? Ooh, big question. Um, you know, there's there's all the regular social and emotional concerns and hurdles that we see in mid middle school, specifically with that adolescent age. I mean, I'm no stranger to middle school, and it's it can be a, an awkward age for for some. A lot of students are being exposed to different personalities and different behaviors for the first time ever. So, um, you know, just, just the normal adolescent age and being a middle schooler, and that's its, um, its own entity. And um, what's the question again? Sorry. The biggest challenges. Biggest challenge. So, so the normal things that go along with this age group. And then, you know, we're still kind of coming out of everything that just happened in the last few years. And it, it's had its effect on people for different reasons, positive or negative. And there were some that did really well and they want to stay in online learning. And then they're just figuring that out. And 
Um, just really um, creating opportunities for students like during lunch and before school and after school so that they have an opportunity to be busy, be active, but also be practicing those social skills and the emotional skills that maybe they weren't able to practice while they were at home that whole time. Right, and I, I had on uh, another one of our new principals this year. She's not a new principal, she's new to us, Vicki Chavez, who's the principal at Workman. And uh, we talked about um, I, that I found it interesting that and surprising that when the mask mandate got lifted in March, what I was expecting, and it wasn't just me, it was like the majority of us here at the district office was that the younger kids would take their masks, would leave their masks on because their parents would tell them they needed to. And the older kids, high school especially, and middle school as well, would couldn't get them off fast enough. Yeah. And it was very surprising to me that when I went over to one of the high schools to do some mock interviews, I asked the coordinator masks on or off. He said, you know, it's optional. So it's optional for you too. And I decided I'm going to do what I always do these days and take my lead from whoever's around me. Mm -hmm. And if they're wearing a mask, I'm going to wear one too. I don't mind, but if they're not, I'm happy not to wear one. So there was a, the class walks in is like, 25 kids and every single one of them was wearing a mask and I was shocked and so my little group of three I said you know just curious is anybody put you up to this like were you told you should or you know and they said no they said we just feel more safe wearing them we're going to keep them on for a while and I said wow that's interesting so I talked was talking to Vicki about that and she, well, first of all, let me ask you, so what's it like on your campus? So it's a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. We have some people that, you know, the first day that they, they could take them off, they were, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I too keep one nearby because if I'm in my office and someone's coming in and having, you know, a one to four person meeting in this little office, if they're mask wearers, then I'll put mine on. I don't even really ask them. If I know they're mask wearers, we're going to be sitting close. I will wear mine. I'm um, and then there's some kids that are still wearing them. There's some kids that wear them in the morning and then after lunch, like they're, I think some of the people that have originally said, I'm going to still wear mine. They, they start the day with them. And then by, as the day goes on, they kind of, so I think a lot of it is more, some of it is what their parents are telling them. Their parents are asking them, make sure you're still wearing your mask. Some of them, it's their own preference. And some of them, I think it's just become an emotional security blanket too. Well, and that's the part, that's what I was going to bring up that I never thought of that. And, and Vicki told me that it's a big thing. I mean, like some of these, the girls, especially like, you know, other than maybe at lunchtime, they've been wearing a mask since they started at the school, yep. you know, two years ago. And nobody's seen their pimples or their braces right. or, you know, and they're very self-conscious and especially in middle school. And I never, that never occurred to me at all, but I'm sure it's, it's a big thing. Yeah. You know, like before, you know, the pandemic, like you didn't have a choice to show your face. I mean, you just did, you know, that was, yeah, nobody wore a mask and now people wear masks, it's totally acceptable and actually still encouraged. And so 
that it is like that security blanket. Yep. And, you know, so I guess in some ways it's good. And in some ways it's really sad, you know, that that's how our kids and, you know, between social media and the filters on, on your devices and all of that, you know, you can understand why kids would feel that way because mm -hmm. adults feel that way too. I mean, there's just so much pressure to look a yeah. certain way and, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting and you're right. Um, coming back from COVID is, is going to take some time for a lot of our kids and, and staff too, but mm -hmm. especially the kids, you know, between the isolation and the, the distance learning, because as good as it was, it wasn't good enough. And we all know that it just, you know, it's, it's right. difficult. And for those kids who thrived in that environment, that's great. You know, and I think we all learned a lot. Like, let me ask you, what, what are a few silver linings that you found that you're going to carry over? So I think, um, like on a personal note or at the school note? Um, I guess I'm talking more about like, you know, uh, having virtual experiences that they're not all bad. Sure. No, I mean, I think even like staff wise, some of our meetings being able to pop right on a zoom and not have to take the commute time or, you know, wait till the school day's over when you're getting a collection of teachers from different sites. I mean, there's a lot of value that came out in that. I mean, how easy is it to pop on a zoom with teachers from all over the district or even with the parent, a lot of the parents, I know this year we opted for a combination for parent conferences. Um, we had uh, chunks of time for in-person, but then we had chunks of time for Zoom because the Zoom ones, we had a, a greater turnout. I think people were more comfortable talking to teachers from their own home. Right. We were easily able to schedule those ahead of time. Teachers worked really hard with tech on scheduling those through a Google form where we also then could arrange translators if need be. And then we tried to have our translators um, schedule theirs like either with the same teacher or with enough room to pop in and out of the different. So that was something positive that has stayed with us definitely. Um, and I know we're coming up soon on our transition meetings and I believe it'll be the same with those. We'll have a lot of parents that will request to do it on Zoom because they can, if they're at work, they can, you know, pop into a little room and do a quick Zoom with us and not have to take a half a day off of work so that they can come down to the school for a 20 minute meeting. Right. And then, and we found like, especially with um, performing arts, visual arts that, you know, to have a guest speaker where, um, you know, before you'd have to arrange transportation and, you know, you'd have to uh, limit capacity and all that stuff. And, you, you know, our kids are able to engage with, with professionals in their craft yep. and they could be in LA and you could have, you know, 10 classes come if, you know, you probably wouldn't want 10 classes because then it becomes a little impersonal. You still want the kids to be able to ask questions, but right. it just, so we've seen that too. So yeah. that's something that I think we'll, we'll take, you know, beyond as well. So Sue, but we, um, we touched on this a little earlier and I think that um, because you were so heavily involved in the conscious education training, I, I wanted to talk to you about that. What is it? And um, tell us about the experience. 
Sure. So the training itself, we really like to refer to more as a workshop than a training. Okay. The training, at least in the district, is more of something you go in one day, you sit through something, you learn something, and then you come out with something tangible that then you're going to take away and use kind of either a one and done or a, a part of a cycle. Whereas we refer to the conscious ed workshop as a workshop. It's, it's um, a safe space, hopefully, or, a, you know, the original model was three separate days. So originally this was something provided for us through um, C CTA and there was a trainer, she was phenomenal and she would come in and do, you know, either three Saturdays in a row or back when we had our summer conference and all that where people could sign up and they would do a three-day workshop. And it was, um, it was well-received and it was well-presented. And so then we worked as a district on creating like a trainer and trainer so that then we could kind of create it, make it our own specific for Palm Springs Unified, and then have our own trainers kind of carry the work forward. So I was interested from the gate, not only from my own experience in the unconscious bias training, which is what it originally was called. Yeah, um, tell us, because I don't want to run out of time. So okay. explain what it is. So it's a workshop where we go into, there's three basic modules. And the first one is really the brain and understanding. Um, we all have biases and we all have some unconscious ones, right? So learning about our brain and, and you know, what makes us think certain ways and how it's connected to how we grew up or maybe isn't. And just, just understanding the dynamics behind it. Then we looked at really diving into more of like our students here in our district and what it's like for them and how some of them have felt about, you know, when people specifically teachers or other staff or other kids make certain comments to them. You know, what does it look like when all the students of color maybe are sitting in the back of your room and, you know, just different things that oh, people have admitted to us, they don't do consciously. And that's why it's called, you know, unconscious bias or conscious education so that we can help people self-reflect and make sure that we're being fair to all of our students. And that some students, like the big question we get from a lot of teachers is that they think, oh, that means I can't discipline students. Well, it's not my fault. They'll say that these are the kids who acted out. Well, let's look at that. Let's look at what's going on and what does it mean to be a person of color? And why are maybe sometimes people of color maybe acting differently when certain comments are made and what were those comments and how does that resonate with them? So it really is a lot of learning, but a lot of self-reflection. And some of it, and I've, I haven't taken the whole course, but I've certainly been in, in a few workshops and discussions and some of it's really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but yet it's, it's so worthwhile because it really does make you, you know, you'll talk to 99.9% .9 of people and they're going to tell you they're not racist. And when you look inside and you start reflecting upon everything that you said, you realize, yeah, I guess I am racist and it's not intentional. Right. But you have to learn that the effects of words and body language and how it, you have to try to, to put yourself in, in the shoes of someone who doesn't look like you because they, because they don't look like everybody else. They right. feel, they feel totally differently. And you, you, this is not, you can't, you can't change that, but you can 
you can certainly be empathetic and and you know act accordingly and make sure that the other kids understand it too and like i said very uncomfortable but so worth it and i'm so glad that our district has you know um moved forward with with that kind of training for i think the goal is for every staff member to get this training um if they haven't already and also our anti-racism coalition and all the work that's going into that so kudos to palm springs unified because we'll we'll do one thing you have to say about this district so we take risks and we we're innovative and some of the things may not work but we're willing to try it anyway if it if it's something that looks like it's the best thing for our kids it's that regular collaboration and reflection like what are we doing how's it working is this helping our students and if it's not why is it not and what can we do exactly so i it's um, um, thank you for the all the hard work you put into that because I know you did, and that's kind of why I thought you were consultants because that that was the first time I actually saw you, and it was during the pandemic, and you know you were like the expert presenting to all leadership. So I'm like, oh, she must be an outside consultant. Then I realized, no, uh, you're not paying attention, Joan. So anyway, um, so before we run out of time, what are your future goals? Like, do you want to be a superintendent? Or are you happy being a principal? Or what's next? Um, really good question. And you know, three years ago when I started as assistant principal, I was like, oh, I'm just going to be an assistant principal for a long time and, and then maybe go work at the district office level, you know, and then think something I've learned in life is sometimes situations pop up and they're just there and they're there for a reason. So um, being that I just started as principal, I'm really committed, at least for the short to medium term for being consistent. There's been a lot of regular changes here. So I think we need to see a group of students and stop through for a little bit with some consistency. So that's my my immediate plans. Um, my younger son has one more year of college and then both my kids will finally be out of college. So that's a whole interesting twist. So I never really thought I would be a principal just because I never really thought that that would be something that I'd be interested in. And now here I am and I'm loving it. And I love working with students and staff and family members. So. I'm really wide open to all the possibilities. I was always more of an ed services side of the thing with the curriculum and instruction, but now I'm learning about like the student services side and the support for students. So there's a lot to learn and there's a lot of work to do. Well, that's fabulous. And you're, you'll be great at whatever you choose. So yeah. that's great news. And one more thing, um, We've talked about this a little bit on a couple of shows, but let's remind our uh, parents that start times are gonna be changing this school year. How does that affect you guys? Like you're going from what to what? From 7.40 to 8.45. So we currently start at 7.40. Most staff start arriving anywhere between 6.30 and seven. We open the front gates at 7.20. Uh, now we'll be starting at 8.45. Okay. And so I guess you, you end an hour later as well. What, yeah. what are you hearing? Like, is this, uh, is, is everybody happy about this? That mixed feelings? It's what? mixed feelings, just like everything else now in the world. Um, I think that 
middle school teachers, I think most of them have gotten used to starting really early, but it's like, again, comes down to what's best for kids. Like it's one thing if you're the adult and that doesn't work for you, but what is best for kids? And I think until we do it with kids and see, I, I know some staff is concerned, oh, if you start later because kids need more sleep, they're just going to stay up later. Yeah. So are we really changing anything? Um, and I think that's probably what has to be, you know, we're, we're going to certainly take a look at it. I'm sure the state legislators who decided this was a good thing are going to take a look at it, too, because if it's, you know, if it doesn't, the intention is that our uh our secondary kids get an hour more sleep. And if they're not going to do that, they're just going to stay up later because they pushed everything ahead. Then, you know, what's the purpose? So we'll see. We'll see. And in the interim, I hope that you enjoy some uh, well-deserved time over the summer and we will have you back for an update. Thank you very much for everything that you do. Thank you as well. I've done over the past 16 years and, we'll do over the next 16 years, no doubt. Just don't leave, stay here. Thank you. Thank All you right. Thanks for joining us. We learn something new every day. A new podcast is uploaded each week. Please subscribe by going to iTunes. Look for you learn something new. Press subscribe. Please tell all your friends to do the same. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Brianna and Emily. Thanks again, Sue. And we'll see you next week. Bye.